welcome back to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. I hope you all enjoyed last week's episode uh, answering common accusations against host rivers. And we, um, I think that was an important episode, one that I uh, hope you can share with your pre-trib friends who are always straw manning you, just making false accusations. Hopefully that was a help. Um, but at the same time, I thought about it after that program last week. And on this program, we make every attempt in the world to be completely fair. We try so hard. We go out of our way to accurately represent the other side. Uh, we invite other people on the program. We give them the last word before I address other people's materials. I reach out to them, give them a chance to talk to me or come on the program themselves because we do. We're so confident in our position. We want to give the other side every advantage and just to prove that we can still win. And so uh, we do. We try to be fair. And we uh, and so I want to continue kind of this discussion. But now I want to reverse it. And I want to talk about, uh, I want to respond to common accusations against pre-tribbers that typically come from our side. I don't want to do to them what they do to us. Just like, you know, we do, we demand a certain level of fairness. You know, we want to be accurately represented. We don't want to waste our time dealing with straw men. Uh, we don't want to be having conversations about, you know, other personalities and defending all of them. Um, you know, we want to actually have a, a conversation about the issues. We want to open the Bible and talk about these things and let give us a chance to prove our point. Give us a chance to show you what you said just completely contradicts the scriptures. But then what do they do? They want to just, you know, chase rabbits, talk about things that in reality don't matter. And we got to make sure we don't do the same thing to them. And our side often does this. And, and so I want to go through several things that I think our side often does to the pre-trivers. And I hope pre-trivers watch this too, because, um, when it, when it comes to pre-tribbers, and I think post-tribbers deserve this too, if we're actually going to get anywhere with individuals, we have to treat them as individuals, okay? So understand, much of what I'm going to say in about these things that are, these accusations against pre-tribbers probably do in fact, and some will in fact apply to many, but they do not apply to all. And so it's important that you don't just go throwing things at them that aren't going to stick with them. It's going to be a waste of time. It's going to be a distraction. They're going to be insulted by it. They're not going to want to listen to what you have to say. And it's the same thing when they do it to us. And so when it, and when it comes to the pre-trib world, there is a massive variety of ways people come to the pre-trib doctrine. Now, in my opinion, and I'm not trying to throw out another accusation here, but in my opinion, the reason there are so many avenues and ways people come to pre-trib is many people interpreting the scripture or they interpret the scripture looking for proof of what they've already decided is true. Most people do not allow the scripture to form their theology. They have a theology and now they're going to go look for proof in the scripture. And because I believe there is no proof of a pre-trib rapture. People in 
in their search for proof text and things, of course, they're all going to come up with different stuff. They're going to get there in different ways. Now, in the post-trib world, there's some variety as well. I don't think there's as much, partially because there's not as many of us, uh, but also I believe because overall it is more biblical. Obviously, not everything preached in the name of the post-trib position is completely biblical and without flaw and contradiction, but it is so much closer to the truth. There is a much, there's much less variety as a result of that. And pre-tribus, you got to ask yourself, why is there such a crazy variety of ways people come to this doctrine? Why can't we become unified in any way on how we come to this position? And then again, I believe it's because it's just not in the Bible, but Let's go ahead and get to some of the common accusations against pre-trovers, okay? Because uh, again, we don't like when they do it to us, so let's not do it to them. Let's. This is this is for post-trovers, so we can learn how to not be like pre-trovers, okay? So, first thing, post-trovers will often accuse pre-trovers of things like, um, you know, they're preparing people to take the mark, because you know, think about it. They're telling their people that they're not going to be here when the mark of the beast comes. So when the mark of the beast comes, you know, they're going to think, well, obviously this isn't it. And they're going to go ahead and take the mark of the beast. And then they're all going to be damned as a result. You know, they're, uh, they're basically teaching people or they're preparing people to accept the antichrist because one of these days, some leaders are going to come along and they're telling their people they're not going to be here when the Antichrist is revealed. So when that, you know, charismatic individual comes along uniting the world, they're just going to be like, yeah, you know what? This can't be the Antichrist. I mean, we're still here. And so they're probably going to accept the Antichrist. Now, okay, while I, under, I understand why people would think that, let's think this through. Okay, let's, let's be logical. Because this is the same thing that they're doing to us when they accuse us of not looking for the return of Christ telling we're teaching our people not to be ready because we don't believe the rapture is imminent. It's the same thing as people who teach, who say that if you teach eternal security, you're giving people license to sin yet. We don't believe. And we, and also we don't see it practice commonly that when people learn eternal security, it's like, well, man, I'm going to go sin all I want to now. No, it's the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. And so I personally believe the truth about eternal security actually helps, enables, and motivates people to sin less. That, that, that's what I believe. I don't believe it has the effect that these other people are claiming. And it's the same thing too. Teaching a pre-tribulation rapture is not going to, I don't believe, necessarily cause people to do things that are sinful, like take the mark, like accept the Antichrist. Because what does it say in the Bible too? That while the Antichrist is going to be very deceitful, it says if it were possible, he should deceive the very elect. Hey, pre-tribbers are not, they're not saved because they're pre-trib, but you can definitely be saved and be pre-trib. And if they're saved, hey, they're not going to worship the beast in his image. They are not going to accept the Antichrist. I don't believe that for a second. 
And again, I believe they might be shocked when it happens. It might be offensive. It could be offensive to a lot of them. But at the end of the day, just because they don't believe they're going to be here for it does not mean that they are just going to go along and accept these things. I think good evidence of that was during COVID. Whenever our government, without a doubt, stepped way outside its realm of authority in trying to shut down churches, when they tried to scare everyone, you know, with the virus, and while they tried to force people to wear masks and implement all these procedures in churches, there were a, there was a lot of pre-tribbers that played right along with it, but there was a lot of pre-tribbers that didn't. There was a lot of pre-tribbers who stood up against it. Yeah, uh, they they said no to it. You know, they fought it, and they they even and you know they even won in many cases. You know, while at the same time too, there was post-trib people that complied, that taught people to comply, that told their people, hey, if your job's forcing you to take the jab. You know what? How important is your job to you? Go ahead and take the jab. I know people who weren't going to take the jab. And then they heard a post-trib preachers tell you, tell people. And then, oh, and then they went and rolled their sleeve up and took the jab. Well, there was a lot of pre-tribbers that I know who lost their jobs or quit their jobs and, and said, no, at the end of the day, you know, following the Antichrist, taking the mark, you know, stuff like that. You know, these are all blatant acts of disobedience. And the reality is, if a person is spirit-filled, if they are right with God, they will stay away from sin. If they have the fruit of the Spirit, if they are walking in the Spirit, they will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so, therefore, they are going to do the right thing when things get tough. And so, our side, we often will say that because pre-tribbers are not teaching people that they are going to go through the tribulation. They are not prepared for tribulation. And again, that could be a result. You know, I do think it is very important to let people know they, that things are very likely to get much worse, that we and our generation could potentially go through the most difficult time in Christian history. I think it's important to prepare people for that. You know, Jesus, he warned his disciples and about things they were going to go through. And he said, you know, he did that so they wouldn't be offended when those things come. He didn't want them being offended. And I do think it's, it's potentially dangerous for the generation. If you, I don't want to be the one teaching the generation that's going to go through the tribulation, that they're not going to go through the tribulation. That very well might offend them. However, at the end of the day, what prepares people to face tribulation more than anything is godliness. It's loving the Lord. It's loving your neighbor. It's walking in the spirit. And if you're doing those things, you will endure tribulation. You will do the right thing. And the reason that we saw so many pre-tribbers do very good during COVID is because they were godly and they loved the Lord. And they did the right thing, even though I would say their eschatology was wrong. While there was people who, you know, they didn't have their eschatology, or they maybe did have their eschatology right, but they weren't godly. They weren't spirit-filled. You know, they weren't people who were very obedient to the scriptures. They're kind of pick and choose and all that, very wishy-washy on all that stuff. And, you know, their response to tribulation was very disappointing.
You know, it was very much like what you would expect from ungodly people. And so understand while some of these teachings could theoretically do that, it's, it isn't necessarily going to be that way. And so living godly, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Okay. So if people are living godly, okay, then I believe too, not only are they going to suffer it, but they will endure it. They will do the right thing because they are godly. And we've just got to understand, okay, many pre-tribbers, not all, are godly people, okay? Many post-tribbers are godly people, not all, okay? Godliness is one of the most important aspects and things that you can have in your life, living godly. And so, again, I believe I was godly as a pre-tribber. I loved the Lord. I was saved as a pre-tribber. And, and so the reality, when I became pre-trib, it didn't change my life, right? Because as a pre-tribber who was taught godliness and righteousness and the word of God and, and love for the Lord and love for neighbor, I didn't have to change my life when I became post-trib. I was already living in a way I needed to live to be able to face those things. And so I do think the awareness of it, it gave me some extra motivation and it still does. Um, you know, again, one of the things I never believed for a second that, you know, 2020 was the tribulation. I thought it could be heading that way, you know, but at the same time, I didn't think that was it, but I'll tell you what, while that was going on, even though I never thought that the jab was the mark or anything like that, while that was going on, because I had the mentality that, Hey, I, if I might face the real thing one of these days. My attitude was, if I can't face this, what makes me think I'll be able to face that? You know, if I can't face, and if I can't do the right thing during this pestilence, what am I going to do when the, the big pestilence comes? I've never heard anybody teach that when the tribulation comes, let's shut down soul winning, let's shut down church during that seal where, you know, you have the pestilence and all these people. I've never seen that before. I heard anybody preach that before. So the thing is, if we're just going to shut all this stuff down now, then uh, what makes me think I'm going to be able to do the exploits during the real difficult time? And so there were, there were a lot of pre-tribbers did the right thing because many pre-tribbers are godly. So understand, treat people as an individual. If you hear a preacher get up in his church and is like, you know what? Hey, go ahead and take the jab. It's not the mark of the beast. Mm, you know, listen, you know, go ahead and just let the government, you know, violate the constitution, not just violate the constitution, the word of God. Okay. The word of God trumps the government and Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he gave us commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So just understand if somebody is teaching you to put those people, the government over Christ and to let that trump things like the great commission, you know, whether pre-trib or post-trib, you know, just mark it down. That's not someone you listen, should listen to, but many pre-tribbers do in fact do the right thing. They are prepared for tribulation. They go through tribulation. I've, I have seen many pre-tribbers go through 
personal tribulation in their lives where they have suffered. I mean, greatly, they have lost loved ones. They've lost spouses. They've lost children, which to me would be the greatest of all tribulation. You know, there, I would rather take anything the devil could throw at me physically. I'd rather take prison. I'd rather die than to lose, you know, lose my wife or children or something like that. And yet many, many pre-tribbers have faced those tribulations and they have maintained their testimony. They have continued serving the Lord. And that was tribulation that they went through. That's far worse than losing your job. That's far worse than losing your house. Yet I have known many post-tribbers who after they have gotten attacked in a Facebook group, they get out of church. After a preacher says something they don't like, they get offended and get out of church. And obviously a lot of pre-tribbers do that too. But let me tell you, I have seen a lot of post-tribbers quit over stupid stuff. I mean, really stupid stuff. And, as, and I've seen it with pre-tribbers too. At the end of the day, godliness is so much more important. And so that's why you need to be very careful what you are going to accuse a godly saved pre-tribber who loves the Lord and loves his neighbor. Be careful of what you, uh, you know, you prophesy that he will do when the going gets tough. You may very well be wrong. And let me tell you something is post-tribbers. There's a lot that we can learn from pre-tribbers about enduring tribulation, about godliness, about taking stands. There's a lot that we, we can learn from those people. So at the end of the day, you know, because they're godly and all these things and can endure tribulation doesn't mean their eschatology is right. But these things are not what settle the arguments on these things. But these are often things that get brought up that I think, frankly, are distractions. And so, you know, I, I would watch out for that. Okay, I, I would watch out for that. And so another uh, common accusation against the pre-tribbers and that we that our side likes to do and again if we're saying this in general we very well could be right with the vast majority of people but wait are you trying to win people over or are you trying to win an argument are you trying to win people over or are you trying to throw out better insults than they do okay and so one of the things we might say is that they are all Schofieldites y'all got your theology from Schofield okay y'all got your theology from Larkin. You're a Darbyite, you're a Plymouth Brethren, you know, you're just, we'll, we'll say all these things. Now, understand, okay, you will never convince me that many of the specific interpretations pre-tribbers have of some passages, that it was not influenced by Schofield or that you cannot trace back that doctrine or how they got it to Schofield. Okay, obviously Schofield, um, you know, I don't, he's not as popular as he once was. Um, many pre-tribbers don't have Schofield Bibles. Many have, have never read his notes. Okay, now they were probably taught by somebody influenced by Schofield. It, Schofield was in fact very influential. And, and when you get really, really specific and you're like, for example, if you teach that the restrainer, not the word that is used in 2 Thessalonians 2, 
is the Holy Ghost. And him being taken out of the way is a reference to the rapture and the believers being taken out. You, you are never going to convince me that you got that from studying your King James Bible. You'll never get, you'll never do that. First off, you're saying restrainer. You didn't get that from your King James Bible. You got that from another version. Okay. You probably read it in a book somewhere from a prophecy guy who does not use a King James Bible. But at, at the same time, you know, Schofield popularized that in a big way. And that is a completely unbiblical teaching. So you're, you're never going to convince me that you are not a descendant of Schofield in that area of thinking. If you, when you use certain terms, okay, for example, uh, one thing all dispensationalists have in common is none of them use the word dispensation the way the apostle Paul did. None of them. I've never heard somebody who says I'm a dispensationalist and they have accurately defined the term dispensation or some can read the definition properly. Okay. They can quote you back the definition, but when they use the term dispensation, they do not use it the way Paul did. Absolutely not. You're going to have a hard time convincing me you're a descendant of Larkin or not a descendant of Larkin when you're using all his terms. Okay. You know, it's, it's going to be difficult and it's, it's almost impossible. It is impossible for you all to deny the influence of Larkin Schofield and all these things. But, but at the end of the day, a person can come to a pre-trip position without Larkin having never read Larkin, um, without that terminology. Again, there's a lot of ways that people get there. But the, the thing is, there's a lot of people who are pre-trib who haven't read Larkin. So if we just accuse them of that and they're going to be like, well, you're an idiot. I got it from reading my Bible, you know, and none of us got where we are just from reading our Bibles. Okay. Cause we've all been influenced by people. And so there have been very vocal people out there throughout the centuries who have had a, had a big impact and influence. And it's hard to separate yourself from that. And Schofield did, Larkin did, you know, in the post-trib world, you know, one is not going to be completely truthful to deny an influence of, you know, men like Rosenthal and Rasmussen and Anderson and people like that. Okay. Obviously most, most post-tribbers. Okay. For, for, you know, and, um, the only one of those names that I, I've ever knew was Anderson, but most people, um, aren't going to accept that doctrine because of the individual. Okay. But, you know, and there's, there's no need for that. Okay. There's no need for pre-tribbers. They're not gonna be like, man, I just really want to align with Schofield. You know, I really want to align with Clarence Larkin. You know, it's probably other people that, you know, that they're, maybe they're wanting to align with, but at the end of the day, to deny those influences would be, you know, I think, I think we're all aligned ourselves and lying to everybody else. Okay. But so I don't have my position because of any individual, I have no interest in align, aligning myself, you know, with Rosenthal and Anderson and Rasmussen and stuff like that. I have no need for that. I have no 
desire for that. And so, again, I get offended when I want to talk about what the Bible says and people just want to talk about Anderson. I find that very frustrating and annoying. And I feel like they are trying to distract from the scripture. So you know what? While there might be a reality of some influences, while there might be a reality of some agreement, you know, we need to keep the focus where it belongs on the Bible. And so while the pre-tribbers might have some agreement with Schofield and Larkin, while there might be truth of some influence from these people at the end of the day, we want them to treat us like individuals with respect and we need to do the same thing with them and let's not distract talking about what a scoundrel Schofield was. That is a great conversation. You know, that is, you know, a legitimate uh, matter, a subject matter that one can discuss at a, at a conference, in a sermon, on a podcast. Um, but at, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the Bible is supposed to be what matters. You know, does this hold up to scrutiny? What if a famous, well-known vocal advocate of once saved, always saved, you know, gets exposed for being a pervert? Once saved, always saved is still true. Okay. And it would be annoying for us if every time we want to talk about once saved, always saved, everybody talks about some pervert. Okay. That's a distraction. Let's go to the, let's go to the scriptures and so, you know, you know, we can all play that game where we point fingers. You're a disciple of this person. You're a disciple of that person. You copy this person. It's not profitable. It's a distraction. And I think it's a coward's move. I think it's a coward's move. So if, if you're going to have a one-on-one conversation with somebody, hey, post-tribbers, leave out the names of Schofield, Larkin, Darby, Ruckman, People like that. And you know what? And and demand pre-tribbers do the same. Don't, you know, I, I, I don't know how many times I've heard, I've been trying to have a conversation about post-trib and then somebody wants to talk about Anderson's piss it against the wall message. It's like, that has nothing to do with anything. And so we don't need to, if we're talking to pre-tribbers, we don't need to bring up Peter Ruckman and his blood-sucking vampires from Mars or something that he preaches about. That is unprofitable. That's you trying to dodge the issue. And I think it's lame. So let's not be like pre-tribbers. So another thing too that um, we often accuse pre-tribbers of. And again, some of these things are probably true for some people. Just like some of their accusations are probably true about some post-tribbers, okay? But when we're trying to win somebody over, let's not waste our time with these things. But, uh, you know, we'll say pre-tribbers are only pre-trib for political expediency, okay? And it is a reality that there is a, you know, a pre-trib mafia out there where if you become pre-trib or a post-trib, there is a treatment that you will get from these people. Okay? I, I am fully aware of that. And you will never convince me that it doesn't exist. You, I know what happens when you are in the club and you dump the pre-trib doctrine. You better believe I know what happens. And let me, let me just tell you all this. When, when I went post-trib, 
I did have concerns about what would happen politically, things people would say. I had concerns, and it and let me just tell you, it was way worse than I thought it would be. Okay, it was way worse. It whatever you're thinking will happen to you if you dump the pre-trib position in your camps. Whatever you think will be said about you, it will probably be worse. Okay. But you know what? Have a backbone. Okay. If you are convinced it's true, okay, now don't let me intimidate you into going post-trib. Yeah, you're a coward if you don't. No, don't become post-trib unless you are convinced of it. Because you know what? You know what I don't need? I don't need a bunch of post-trib McMurtry copycats out there imitating me, just poly parroting what I say. Because typically people like that, they what they end up doing, because it's not their own doctrine, they're just copying, they tend to go overboard on a lot of those things as a way to prove themselves. They are those spiritual trannies. And so just like when a man is not really a woman, but he wants to pretend he is, the drag queens, they typically overemphasize certain female characteristics, right? And so there's a lot of spiritual drag queens who, because they are not really, you know, Baptist or post-trib or whatever, they overemphasize certain characteristics of the post-trib crowd. And there are, there's people I know that are out there, they're post-trib. You know, and I think they've got good doctrine, but many of their followers, including pastors, are super over the top on stuff, thinking they are copying their Pope. And they are just freaks, okay? They are just freaks. They're, they're spiritual trannies. They're spiritual drag queens. And everyone finds them repulsive. I find them repulsive. And so in the pre-trip, and let me tell you, pre-tribs, you've got your drag queens too. You absolutely, you absolutely have them with some, and just why don't you people ever call out the dumb stuff that is preached in the name of pre-trib y'all probably should do that. Call out your drag Queens, call out your spiritual trannies in your movement because they're repulsive. And, you know, and when it comes to the post-trib crowd, you know, there are, there are, you know, we've got the drag Queens too, and I want nothing to do with them. I, I, I want absolutely nothing to do with people like that. I want those who are real. So you pre-tribbers, I'm not going to try to intimidate you into coming to my side because I don't want to, I don't want you pretending. I want you to study the scriptures yourself and I want you to, you know, be fully persuaded in your own mind. And, and if you do that, I think then you'll be able to handle the stuff. Cause here's the thing. If I would have gone into the post-trib world and been public about it and not been sure of myself, a lot of the attacks that I received would have been very difficult for me. But the one thing I was always able to rest on is I knew, first off, I knew I came to these conclusions for the right reasons. I knew I wasn't just following a man, even though I got accused of that all the time. I knew full well that had nothing to do with it. I also knew what they were teaching was stupid. I mean, the ways they were getting to it, I was like, this is ridiculous. Okay, that doesn't mean every pre-tribber is stupid and that they all preach it in a stupid way. But many of the people attacking me did. 
many of the people attacking me couldn't even defend their own position. They would just share. I had people sending me, you know, sermons by Ruckmanites. And it's like, wait, why can't you defend it? Why do you need a Ruckmanite? And then they're like, and then they would try when you would show them, Hey, did you hear what this guy said in this part? Well, I, I don't agree with that. Okay. But that's how they're proving pre-trib. So why can't you prove pre-trib without the Ruckmanite heresies? It, so those kind of things that just confirmed in my heart that, you know, I'm right and they're wrong. So we need to make sure again, let's, you know, let's not, let's not distract. Let's keep things where they belong. And while many probably are, they're scared to dump pre-trib. They are doing it for political expediency. Well, even, even if it's subconsciously, if subconsciously they just, they can't accept what they're seeing, you know, at the end of the day, in their minds and in their hearts, many of them, I do believe, came to that conclusion and they have a good conscience about it. So if we're accusing them of all these things, then we're just going to look like liars. And, and so, again, when I hear somebody, whenever I had people, and this was back before I'd even ever spoken with you know, men like Pastor Anderson, I had people accuse me of just being a father of him. To me, it just made them look like a liar because it was like, first off, I knew he had nothing to do with it. He had no influence over me. And I definitely didn't have any desire, you know, to be politically aligned or anything like that. So it just made them look like liars. So if we're doing that to them, we're going to look like liars and they're going to hide behind that. They're going to ignore the points that we're making that are good because we're liars because of these things. So um, you know, another thing we often accuse them of is we'll say that they have not studied it out for themselves. And, and that's probably true with a lot of people. Okay. I, I absolutely believe that most pre-tribbers have not studied it out for themselves. And there's many ways they prove that. Okay. And again, they prove that with their rhetoric. You can identify who they're reading after by the terms they use, by how they get to pre-trib because everybody gets there in a different way but some people have done a lot of homework and they have done a lot of study and they do have their own unique ways of articulating these things and and they are studious they know the bible really well and so if we just say they haven't studied they're going to see that is just a lie okay i think in their study they've read a lot of other books they've been influenced I'm probably right about that, but at the end of the day, don't accuse them of that because it's just a distraction. You know, one thing I have found out is people, many people who I've spoken to over the years, when they have been challenged on these things, they come to the conclusion, they confess, I've had many confess to me, you know, I've not studied this out for myself. I don't accuse them of that. They realize that when they start getting challenged because most Baptists, most preacher Baptists, most do not allow for challenges. Okay. And you've all seen that, you know, people, uh, who I, I have invited pre-tribbers on, you know, I'm going to critique their material. They won't do it. They won't talk to me. They won't call me. They won't, they won't do 
anything. They will not allow themselves to be challenged. They isolate themselves. They preach half the sermons in their prophecy sermons. It's all just stop listening to those people on the internet. What are they saying? Isolate, isolate, isolate. And I'm not telling you, you have to listen to every heretic that's out there, but their desk, you know, their push for isolation is because many of them, they are not prepared to be challenged. I want to be challenged on these things. I intend in the next weeks to challenge and invite people on to challenge positions that I hold that I am not satisfied with my defense of those things. I still think I'm right, but it's like, there's some things that I'm not completely satisfied with. And it's like, you know what? If these positions are right, then it ought to be able to stand up to some scrutiny. And so I'm going, I'm going to allow it to be challenged because at the end of the day, I want to get to the truth. And in most of your pre-trib world, with the exception of Ruckmanites, okay, and we know they're crazy, okay, they will not allow for a challenge. They they're not going to do debates. They're not going to come on this podcast. They won't have a friendly discussion. They won't sit down with open Bibles and have a conversation. Most of them won't. Some will. I just had one uh, last week with the pre-tribbers. So there are exceptions out there. One who wanted to have a sit down conversation with me, open Bibles. And we did. We had a great time. And we both challenged each other. And I think we sharpened each other. And I got some things I got to uh, take some time to look into. Because... I wasn't completely satisfied with some of my answers. And I hope he wasn't completely satisfied with some of his answers. Okay. Confident people will do that. And they do exist in the pre-trib world, but they're rare. But you know what? Don't just assume they're all not like that. Give them the benefit of the doubt. And I believe they will, many of them, the honest ones will come to the conclusion. Yeah, I've not even studied this. I've had several tell me that, you know, and I think it's, that's, that's, that's good that they're admitting that that's good that they see that. I think that's a good step in the right direction because I believe if they study it out, honestly, they're going to walk away from it. That's what I believe. So, um, another thing our side often accuses them of is that they're all bad because they are dispensationalist and therefore guilty of every bit of craziness that is preached in the name of dispensationalism. That's not right either, okay? I I hate dispensationalism. I think what Clarence Larkin promoted, I think this book has some truth in it in certain spots. You can find some accurate statements in here, okay? Uh, but it, you can find a lot of trash in here too, okay? I, there's been times I, I I have called people out for garbage that they preach. Okay. And I, I recently saw where I had pre I, I had a long time ago, I had called out some garbage that someone had preached and that can And so this person to prove that I'm terrible, instead of addressing the garbage that they preached showed good stuff. They preach and oh, how can this person be terrible? Listen to this good thing. He said, okay. Yeah, that was a good thing. He said there, but this thing over here was garbage. And so you can find some good points in here, but it's full of trash. And, and again, 
No one who calls themselves a dispensationalist uses the word dispensation the way the Apostle Paul does. Okay? It just, it, it doesn't happen. But at the end of the day, there are things that people preach in the name of dispensationalism that are not that bad, that are not damnable heresies. There's damnable heresy in here. It has four gospels in here. And it's not talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, it's got, there's a lot of garbage in here. But at the same time, most dispensationalists I know do not believe in multiple gospels. They do not believe in faith plus works in the Old Testament and again in the tribulation. Most pre-tribbers do not believe that. And so when you hear dispensationalism or dispensationalists, many post-trib or non-dispensationalist people, they just immediately accuse them of every heresy in this book. We, we can't really do that. Okay. That's not right. Many, many of them, you know, uh, not all of them teach the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are different. I talked to a guy one time who would call himself a dispensationalist who is pre-trib, who doesn't believe God's done with Israel. And he called me up one time asking me, cause he, he had people within his camp saying that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven were different. And he was just like, he was like, you know, and he, and he was very curious as to what my take was on it because he's like, he said, I just went and he, and I could tell, you can tell when somebody read their Bible and came up with something, it, it's not hard to tell the difference. I don't have time to explain how you can know when somebody did their own study versus when they're just parroting somebody. But this guy, without a doubt, did, in fact, he just went and he read, he just compared kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, in the Bible. And he's like, it's the same thing. And he had some, his own unique arguments, you know, proving that they were the same. And he was just curious as to my take on, it. I told him, I was like, man, you're right. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same. He saw through the fallacies. He saw through the faults that many of the dispensationalists had in that. So just if, if you go accusing somebody of that, just because they're a dispensationalist, then you're just going to be wrong. Now, I think, okay, this is, this is my opinion. Many people call themselves a dispensationalist because they just think they're supposed to. There are many people who call themselves Calvinist or, or, um, or that they believe in the tulip because they have been told that that's just like a fundamental. And I've heard people too who hold to the tulip who pervert the tulip so bad that it's almost accurate. It, it's almost, uh, it almost aligns with the scripture. And it's because these people, they are honest and they do love the Lord. They are saved. They're reading their Bible, but they've also been told you're supposed to be tulip. So they do. And some of these confessions too, like the Westminster confession in a lot of the Calvinist things that are in there, there's a lot of vague statements in there, enabling one to be able to go to extreme hyper-Calvinism and yet still hold to the Westminster Confession, but also to actually go into Christianity and still hold to the Westminster Confession. They, those statements are vague enough that they can do that. But what happens is, is you have your, you know, full-blown five-point Calvinists. Some people are meant to be damned. Some people are meant, to, you know, they were chosen to be saved. And they can use 
the words of the Westminster Confession to show that, hey, this aligns. But there's also people that can teach salvation right and use it. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the bad thing about a lot of those confessions. They're a little too vague. And so there's people who they are. They pervert dispensationalism to the point that it's not heresy anymore. So just understand, you know, don't just write somebody off when they use that term. I think we should challenge them on it. I think they need to dump that term of dispensationalist. I think they need to start using the word dispensation the way the Apostle Paul used it. But at the end of the day, um, it, you know, there's still many of them within Christianity and are not teaching Danville heresy. Some just use that as a way to explain, hey, there was an old covenant. There's a new covenant. You know, now there's some too teaching new covenant and new testament are two different things. That's also garbage. I don't even know if that's in here. I think that's more of a Ruckman. I, well, now I, somebody gave me a book where somebody before Ruckman was preaching that nonsense. But e either way, that's pure nonsense. But, you know, Ruckman obviously got his stuff from somewhere and probably just went to an extreme on that. But, um, but yeah, but either way, let's not just hold everyone who calls themselves a dispensationalist accountable for everything that's in this book, for everything that the Ruckmanites teach. There's many dispensationalists who you could probably go to their church for a year and never hear them use the word dispensation or dispensationalist or anything like that. Okay? They go to it when they need it. They teach certain aspects of it. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're not in heresy. So it's not fair to accuse them of every bit of nonsense that's in this book just because they don't believe God's done with Israel. And so, um, another, you know, so another thing too, and I, I kind of touched on this a little bit, but now that we're kind of talking about dispensationalists, it is our side. We like to talk about Ruckmanites. If we're debunking dispensationalism, often we use Ruckmanites because they're the most extreme version of it. And I do think, and let me just say this too. If you are a pre-tribber and you have fellowshiped with Ruckmanites, you have used Ruckmanites to defend your positions. If you're having Bill Grady come into your church and selling his garbage book that is not worthy of toilet paper called Holy Ground, okay, if you are doing that, then you know what? You can't get upset when people align you with some of their nonsense, okay? Or ex think that you might agree with some of that nonsense. If you're selling books by Sam Gipp in your bookstore, using them in your Bible colleges, then own it when somebody, you know, maybe falsely accuses you of being a Ruckmanite. Why wouldn't they think you're a Ruckmanite when you're selling their materials, when you're using them, when you're, I mean, imagine an independent fundamental Bible college who's right in the gospel, who doesn't, who doesn't believe faith plus works in the Old Testament, but yet bringing Ruckmanites in, especially to defend eschatology, to defend the King James position. If you need Ruckmanites to do your dirty work for you, you should be ashamed of yourself. And don't get upset when people tie these things in with you. You know, it's like as fundamental Baptist, we don't like it when people try to uh, hold us accountable 
for the perverts and the sexual predators. But if we're going to their conferences, if we're having them preach in our church, if we're preaching in their things, then you know what? Own it. Okay. Or call it out. Break fellowship. And if, if you're not going to do that with Rockmanites, then you know what? I can't get too mad at you when people are, you know, associating these things with you. But at the end of the day too, if you're wanting to win an argument, let's, let's not make, let's not talk about personalities. Don't keep bringing up Peter Ruckman. Don't bring up the weirdos like Sam Gipp and Bill Grady. Don't that that's a distraction. Listen, those guys, their doctrine is so whacked out. I sometimes think you have to take drugs to come to the conclusions that they do. But at the end of the day, if I'm talking to an individual, I, I'm going to assume the best because if they are as crazy as those guys, then you're kind of wasting your time with them. But if you don't think they're crazy, if you don't think they're on drugs, if you think they're saved, you know, talk about what the Bible says. Don't waste your time talking about all the dumb stuff that Sam Gipp has said. Don't accuse pre-tribbers of saying, you know what? I never called Jesus. I never called him my Messiah. He ain't your Messiah. Most pre-tribbers, no, that's stupid. That's a stupid thing to say. You know, but again, if you have Sam Gipp come preach at your church, and especially prophecy, expect to deal with some of that. Okay. I'll, I'll try to avoid bringing him up and I'll try to give you respect that you, that I would want. I'm not going to say that you deserve because, you know, if, if you're, again, if, if you're, if you have Bill Grady come and let him sell your book in your church, I, I'm going to have to make an extra effort to be respectful with you. But either way, let's try not to talk about personalities. Another thing too, now this will shock some of you in the post-trib world. We often will accuse dispensationalists people who don't believe God's done with Israel of being obsessed with the Jews or worshiping the Jews. Okay. We will accuse them of all being Zionists. Okay. Now let me just, let me just share something with you. Okay. You can have a belief that a future revival for the Jews is coming without being a Zionist. Okay. So first of being a Zionist, that, that ultimately means that you believe that the physical Jews, you know, they have a right to that land over there in the Middle East. You believe that it belongs to them and that they have a right to that and that we should support them getting it, you know, and so we should back them up in their wars, stand with them as a nation. Um, that's what Zionism is. But there are, there are, and I've talked to them, there are pre-tribbers who believe that God is not done with Israel, who they don't believe that, uh, they believe God will restore them to the land one of these days, but they don't agree with how they're going about trying to get it now. They don't believe that they are, there are some who don't even believe they are the chosen people right now because they're not saved. There are, I have talked to multiple pro-Israel people who will admit they're not the chosen people because they're not saved that I, I've had them tell, tell me that and it, it always kind of shocks me when they do, but they believe in a future revival that's going to come for them during the tribulation. And that, you know, and I disagree with that. I absolutely disagree with that, but believing in a future revival for Israel does not make you a Zionist. I think Zionism is 
a horrible political ideology. It's not a theology because it's for sure it's not in the Bible. People try justifying that political agenda with a misuse of scripture. And so there is a bad theology associated with Zionism, but it doesn't deserve to be called a theology. It's a political movement that I believe is deadly. It is wicked. It is contrary to everything Christians stand for to be supportive of it. Uh, and I absolutely think that Zionism is a terrible thing, but not all pre-tribbers are Zionists. In fact, I had never, you, you don't want to, you want to know when I learned the term Zionist, right, this is going to shock some of y'all. You know, I didn't even know what that term was. I learned about Zionism when I watched Marching to Zion. I didn't, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know I was a Zionist at one time. And I was, I didn't know it. I didn't use that term, but you know, I, I was taught, you know, we got to stand with Israel and the land belongs to them. And I, 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 you know, I, I supported all that nonsense, but I wasn't familiar with the term. And there are, there are more and more honest pre-tribbers who are looking at these things. And I mean, it, cause folks, we have proven Zionism is garbage. Okay. We have proven that the Jews, physical Jews, are not the chosen people. We have proven that Genesis 12, that Abraham's seed is Jesus, that the that blessing, I will bless them that bless thee in Christmas Christi, does not apply to physical Jews. All, there's a lot of pre-trivers out there who have admitted that and recognize that. So don't just assume that all of them are Zionists. Don't, don't insult them with that. A lot of them are getting it right. But, and I think, I think, I, I think there's some politics motivating this. Okay. I, I think this, I can't help it. I'm just being straight up, straightforward and honest with you. But they're, they're so, you know, they, they're, they've been so brainwashed with a horrible interpretation of Romans 11. Because they don't understand, you know, the prophecies of the Old Testament and how they are fulfilled in Christ. Because of that, they still see in their minds this another great movement and revival with Jews coming in the future. I disagree with that. But here's the thing. I wouldn't be upset if there was. I wouldn't be upset if they were right. I have talked to uh, pre-tribbers. Who believe God's not done with Israel, big revival coming for him in the future. And you know what? If they ended up being right and I was wrong about that, I'd be fine with that. Because all that means is that's just more Jews getting saved. And what is that but life from the dead? That's good. It's never a bad thing when Jews get saved. Never. Never ever. Now, if you're going to teach, we're going back to this Old Testament economy, and there's going to be, I think too, the teaching there's going to be another temple in the future is a garbage teaching that. I think, again, not everyone comes to the heretical conclusions, but, and I don't really want to get in that, but folks, I don't believe in a future temple with sacrifices that are sanctioned by God. I believe in an antichrist temple. I don't believe in that. I think that is a bad teaching. I, I think there's all different levels you can go to in that. And there's some that's not that bad, but I, I don't like it. 
But there are, there's a lot of pre-tribbers who believe Jews, if they want to be the chosen people, they need to believe on Christ. There's a lot of pre-tribbers who believe that for God to, uh, for there to be a revival with the Jews, that they have to believe on Christ. They have to be saved. But based on what I believe are some terrible interpretations of some difficult passages, they believe that there is going to come a time in the future where we're going to see this mass revival. I'm not mad at them for that. I hope they're right. I, I, I hope they're right on that. And before the rapture comes, I hope there is this massive movement of Jews who recognize Jesus as their Messiah. I, I think that would be great. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't see any evidence of that. Uh, now, I, I have a problem too. If people are demanding that happen for God to keep his promises. No, I, I, I think you're wrong. I strongly disagree with your use of the scriptures. But at the end of the day, that's not a heretical teaching. It absolutely is not a heretical teaching. Many pre-tribbers, they want to get Jews saved now. And you know what they do? They preach the gospel. They preach the right gospel to them. I think that's, that's wonderful. Um, you know, not all of them think that they're like superior, but uh, again, a lot of them do. And you know what? You sane pre-tribbers out there. I wish you would be more vocal against the weirdos in your world. I, I really wish you would. I really wish you'd call out more of that stuff. Some of some do, but not enough. We, we need more of that. But at, at the end of the day, you know, I, I want to see more and more of the sane pre-tribbers, the ones who don't go into the dispensational heresies, the ones who do not support Zionism, that, that bloody, that bloody political ideology. Uh, I want to see more, uh, get some sanity on this because at the end of the day too, some of the sane pre-tribbers that I would, as I, I would call them out there are labeling them again, I can easily live with their differences, but also I, I believe too, that, you know, we can, it, it's more possible to have an honest conversation with those people. When you're a Ruckmanite, they've got so many weird rabbit trails that can go down. There's just, there's no chance. There's absolutely no chance, but those who have recognized the truth of Genesis 12, those who um, have recognized that we are the chosen people, I have a lot of hope for them. Not that they will completely come around to my beliefs and everything, but that they will not go into insanity and heresy. And so um, just let's give people the benefit of the, of the doubt. Let's treat them like individuals. Let's recognize that not every pre-tribber and, and not pro-Israel. I, I think being pro-Israel, fake Israel, is Zionism. Okay. It, it's okay if people think a revival is coming in the future for the Jews. I, I, I don't, I don't have a big problem with that, but let's, you know, let's assume the best. Let's give people the individual respect and let's have a conversation on where the real areas of disagreements are. Let's not talk about personalities. Let's talk about the Bible. I believe we will all be strengthened and we will all be sharpened. I, there are, Conversations I've had with pre-tribbers have just made me better in certain areas. And I think too, 
uh, even in areas where they've corrected me. It's, it's strengthened my theology overall. And I believe that we are strengthening theirs by seeing more of them come away from the Zionism and having a more, uh, and becoming dispensational light. If you want to call it that it's, it's helping them. Let's keep helping each other. And we're not going to, if we're just wasting time with false accusations, any of these accusations, you can find it to be true somewhere in the pre-trib world, in the Baptist world, but it's definitely not everywhere. Let's not waste our time with the people who are guilty of all these things that we talked about there. They're too far gone, but let's not give up on those who maybe only are slightly different. Okay. There's still good people that we ought to be able to fellowship with and get along with. So I hope this was a help. Post-trivers, don't be like pre-trivers. Let's be honest and let's stick to the issues. And if we're right, we will win. And if we're wrong, I hope we'll fix it. So anyway, thank you all for watching this. I hope it was a blessing. So God bless you and we will see you all next time.